And as soon as Peter refers to God as their Father, he immediately qualifies. He doesn't want anybody to run away with the wrong idea of Father. You'll notice what he does. If ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. About 26 years ago, when I was preaching in North Surrey, we had a midweek Bible study with a few ladies. And I don't remember the Bible portion, but I made reference in an illustration or some aspect of the message to a good, godly father. Welcome again, and we trust the Lord will bless you today here as we let the Bible speak from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church. Now, if I may just run through the program today, at the close we will be looking at Profiting from the Word. And this is an article from the book by A.W. Pink on the Scriptures and God. Also, we have 1 Peter 1.17. We're looking at the exhortation to holiness. Why a Christian is not just to be saved, but to be holy, set apart to serve the Lord. We have a hymn by the Whitfield Choir, Jesus Saves. But firstly, we begin with our little gospel message on ye must be born again. This is the question on why be a Christian? And this is always a very good question. Why should anyone become a Christian? And I trust that the Lord will answer that in this article today. You need to be a Christian because ye must be born again. And the Lord Jesus said this to a Pharisee who was himself very religious. Outwardly he looked good, but inwardly he was rotten to the core. To be born again is to be changed from the inside out. It is a radical change to the inner nature of man. It is the work of God, the Holy Spirit, to renew man's will so that he truly loves God and desires to walk with God in holiness and live one day in a holy environment called heaven. This can only be accomplished by the work of the gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ. He sends the Holy Spirit into hearts. He changes people. Every born-again Christian can testify that when they are saved, old things pass away, and all things become new. They desire God, they desire His Word, and they desire to obey God's commands. Without that miracle of the new birth, no man can please God. Because no man wants to please God. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. Men go their own way like stray sheep. The only hope for your lost soul is to receive the Lord Jesus, who is the light of the world. He will illuminate your heart and miraculously plant faith and repentance in your heart, so that the things you once loved you will hate, and the things which you hated you will love. It's true. To be a Christian, ye must be born again. If you'd like more information on the series, You Must Be a Christian, or Why Be a Christian, go to our website, 
Cloverdale FPC.ca the Bible speak, and we're turning to 1 Peter 1.17 today. Let's hear the text. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. This passage, which teaches us about the Christian's life, is a word of instruction on living in the fellowship, and yet in the awesomeness of a God who is all-sufficient, all-glorious, and very real in the Christian's life. I trust you'll stay with us as from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church, we let the Bible speak today on this text, 1 Peter 1, 17. Amen. Here we come then to 1 Peter chapter 1 and to verse 17. And we have an if question. And if ye call on the Father. If ye call on the Father. Last week we looked at the previous verses, and we saw that Peter referred to his uh, hearers, or those receiving the letter, as obedient children. Verse 14. 
Now he says, if ye call on the Father. Now in this verse 17, you'll notice that Peter's mindset really is the sojourner. And he says at the end of the verse 17, every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now the mark of such children who have the mind of a pilgrim is that they call on the Father. Now this is not to doubt the question, but rather this is just saying, now that you're a Christian, you automatically call on the Father. And if you call on the Father, then you're going to sojourn here with fear, with fear. Now this obviously is a reference to a relationship with God. We have a reference in the book of Genesis. Then men began to call upon God. And as soon as Peter refers to God as their father, he immediately qualifies. He doesn't want anybody to run away with the wrong idea of father. You'll notice what he does. If ye call on the father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. About 26 years ago, when I was preaching in North Surrey, we had a midweek Bible study with a few ladies. And I don't remember the Bible portion, but I made reference in an illustration or some aspect of the message to a good godly father. Seemed normal kind of stuff to me. Immediately afterwards, one of the ladies was mightily upset with me. And she began to really lay it on. How can you call someone good who is a father? Now this was really a shock to me. That someone would have the image in their mind of someone who was a monster, someone who was vicious, someone who was an oppressor, and you give them the name Father. Now, you'll notice what Peter does as soon as he refers to God as their Father. He goes on immediately, if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work. And what he's saying here is that God as Father, he is a perfect Father who is to be worshipped and honored. Now, this is hard for some in families. Some dads are crooks. Some fathers are liars, contentious, monsters. They are vicious and violent. And they do damage. And they certainly bring the whole term of father into disrepute. Now this evening, we may do little more than what Peter did to qualify his view of God's nature. We can say our father in heaven is good. He's loving. He's gracious. But all of that is very general. Peter gets to the specific and he says in this verse 17 toward the end, If ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons 
judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear. Now, what kind of God is that? That you have to fear him. What kind of fear is this? What kind of life is this? That you have to walk as a pilgrim with this kind of fear. Well, there are a number of things in this text. First of all, God as Father is our judge. God is our Father to train. And God is our Father to hear, as in prayer. Therefore, we are to sojourn. We are to live with a godly fear. And I want us to look at those three things tonight— how we are to reverence, how we are to walk, live, pray, worship in a healthy, holy fear of the Lord. We're to fear because our God is a father to judge. That's what Peter says here. I'm getting it right out of Peter's own statement. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. This is Peter's description of our Father, the God of heaven. And he is to be feared as judge because he's always just. He's always just without respect of persons. And that's the point that Peter brings out immediately before anybody runs off with some uh, wrong idea of the nature of God. And Peter describes God the Father as a perfect judge. He will never swerve from the truth. He will always do right. There's no favoritism with God. Now, earthly fathers who are limited in their knowledge and, of course, sometimes prejudiced and biased toward children, sometimes there is favoritism. We know that that was Jacob's problem when he gave that coat of many colors to Joseph. It didn't sit very well with the other brothers. He made it very obvious that Joseph was his special and favored son. But God cannot do that. God, he judgeth without respect of persons. In God's eyes, nepotism stinks. Now, nepotism is to grant favors without merit, just because of prejudice or because of bias. Can you imagine an earthly judge sitting on a court bench, and there are charges against his own son, and he's brought before him as judge? How is he going to act? Well, with men, you never know. You never know what a judge might try to pull off. You never know what he might try to do to get his son off the hook. But if God's on the bench, you break the law, you get what you deserve. You break the law, you have coming to you what the law demands. God cannot be contrary to his holy nature. Therefore, he's to be feared. He is to be reverenced. And this is all in the background of where God said, Be ye holy, for I am 
holy. And he calls us to rise to this holy standard, calls us to rise to truth and righteousness because God is himself just. Another thing about God as Father is that he's always right. Now, you can understand the tension that there is between sons or daughters and an earthly father. Uh, many times an earthly father, well, he doesn't understand, doesn't get the big picture. He's not clued into all the details, and he may get it all wrong. And he has lost sight of the truth. And maybe son or daughter has the idea, well, my dad's just old-fashioned. He's old school, and he's unable to relate to my situation. And of course, it's true. No earthly father's always right. And there's tension in homes between children and parents because the father just doesn't see straight. Well, you can never say that about God. Never. He is omniscient. He's all-knowing. And he's always right and good. And his judgments are perfect. And so if you find yourself arguing with God, you're in trouble. Because God's always right. Another thing is that we fear God as judge because he's always wise. It's not just a matter of being right, but God's judgment is always for our good, for our benefit. The psalmist said in Psalm 18, as for God, his way is perfect. And therefore, as obedient children, if ye call on the Father, if ye call on the Father, if you're a Christian, if you are a believer in the Lord and God is your Father, remember that you're to walk with him in fear as a judge who is no respecter of persons, who always does what's right and what's good. And therefore, as a Christian, it's a given that we obey him, that we submit to him and honor him. And when we don't do that, it ends in damage, it ends in destruction, and it leads to the way of damaged relationship with God. And so here's the first one. We are to fear the Lord, our Father, because he's our judge. But also, we're to fear because our God is a Father to train us. That's what fathers are to do, to train their children. Now, we all need training. That's the first thing we have to admit. We all need training. We need correction, just as children do. It's a father's role to teach and train his children, or else he's remiss. And you can bet your bottom dollar that if you call upon God as your father, that if you are now a Christian and you have called upon God to be your God and you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your savior, then he's going to train you. He's going to train you. And you need correction. The proverb says, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquity shall take away the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly shall he go astray. The Christian delights 
to be under the training of the Lord. And the last thing, the last thing that a Christian wants to do with God is says, leave me alone. We know that we need correction. We know that we need training. Now, God sees this need for training, and He's witness to every conversation. He's witness to every way that we take. And as a father, if we are sons, He is our God, He will correct us. He will chastise us. You're familiar with Hebrews 12, 6 and 7. Every, uh, every son whom the Father chasteneth, that's true sons. That, that's God's absolute. He will correct us. Now, Job, he noticed this, and he said, He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And you will learn that God disciplines us for our good, always for our good. And He has a purpose to change us for the better. Now, that's the whole work of God's grace in us. Now, God uses different ways. I'll give you three ways that God can correct you. Losses, crosses, and bosses. There's three ways. And he, as a loving father, can take the rod of correction, not the rod of wrath to destroy, but the rod of correction, and apply it by losses. And that hurts. That grieves us. Then there are crosses, burdens that he calls us to carry, burdens, reproach, opposition, difficulties. And then there's bosses. As far as children goes, God gives you parents to train you. And you are in training as children. Then when we grow up and we get away from the leadership of parents, God has still bosses in your life. Those who you answer to, you're accountable to. And God can use those people in your life to correct you and to direct you. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher, and I trust the message today has been a word of instruction to your own heart. Yes, as Christians, we are in training. God is continually remaking, rebuilding, reconstructing our lives, changing us into the image of His own Son. One of the cliches or one of the mottos of the Christian life is that the Spirit never works apart from the Word. That's why we are Bible Christians. 
That's why we have this Bible as our sole rule of authority. And anything that God has to say to us, he will say to us through this written word. Christians do not look for messages from angels today. We do not look for messages from other sources. The Bible is the final written revelation. There are no prophets nor apostles in the Bible sense. Uh, there are no revelators. God has spoken. His word is a finished, final revelation. It is called the closure of the canon. And God has given us this rule, and it is complete. Now, the Lord continues to speak through that word that does not devoid us of experience with God, nor of intimate fellowship with our God. It is through the Bible that God really wonderfully ministers to us. And by that word, he quickens. By that word, he produces conviction of sin. By that word, he sanctifies. By that word, he gives assurance. By that word, he makes the saint to grow. Thus, each one of us may ascertain the extent to which we are profiting from our reading and studying of the Scriptures by the effects which they are, through the Spirit's application of them, producing in us. Let us enter now into some of the details. He who is truly and spiritually profiting from the Scriptures, first of all, has a clearer recognition of God's claims. The great controversy between the Creator and the creature has been whether he or they should be God, whether his wisdom or theirs should be the guiding principle of their actions, whether his will or theirs should be supreme. That which brought about the fall of Lucifer was his resentment at being in subjection to his Maker. Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. The lie of the serpent, which lured our first parents to their destruction, was, Ye shall be as gods. And ever since then, the heart sentiment of the natural man has been, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? We are Lord. We will come no more unto thee. And so profiting from the word means that man takes the Bible as his rule of authority, bows the knee to the authority of the Bible, rejoices in his word, and takes that word as a lamp to his feet and a light to his pathway. I pray today that the word of the Lord has been a blessing, a help, a guide, and a means of strengthening you in your own Christian life. Stay tuned with us now as we come to the announcements, whereby we'll give you all the details of our phone numbers and contact information and all about our ministry here on radio and our church here in Cloverdale. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. 
There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.